you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Darth Plagueis is a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he can use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk all things Star Wars, Star Wars movies, Star Wars comics, and movie news. We get into it all. I am your host, Zach Chrisman, a.k.a. the Lord of Lore, and joining me, as now always, which is still fun to say, (laughs) Lindsay, a.k.a. the Lady of Lore. Lindsay, how the fuck are you doing? You know what? I'm pretty good. And I'll apologize in advance because part of me being pretty good is I'm currently dog sitting for two of my favorite dogs in the world, my older sisters, uh, two out of three of her dogs. But it's also the first like really nice day up here. So it just went like overnight from about 20 degrees up to 60. But that means that all the little kids are outside riding their bikes and families are going for walks and people are walking their dogs, which is nice. But these two pups aren't quite used to that. So if you hear any barking, it's just because I'm lucky enough to be with two adorable dogs and having a beautiful day. Not a problem with that. Uh, yeah, this the Indiana, Indiana has been like kind of super bipolar lately. Like it's been hot and or I mean, it's been nice and then cold. Snow has stayed on the ground consistently for probably longer than I can remember any other years. Like in the last, like, at least since I've lived at my current house, which is seven years. But the weather's been like, you know, cold and then nice. And so the the weather around Indiana has been like as bipolar as my thoughts on Kathleen Kennedy. So... It's been, <laughs> so it's, it's been, it's been crazy, uh, fun, interesting, um, time. And it's actually been a fun, enjoyable winter. Have you been doing anything like Star Wars related lately or? Not really, just cause I feel like we're kind of in a bit of a downtime. I'm still kind of making sure I can go to celebration just cause you and I both know the way that works, right? Like celebration is now slated for the end of May, meaning they're going to hold off on most really big things that they can until then. And come kind of mid April to end of April, that's when we're going to start getting the panel announcements and the guest appearance announcements and start to really theorizing about what everything means. But until then it's kind of just low key um so for me right now is like i said i want to make sure i can still go because figure i bought these tickets how many years ago when my life was at a very different place but now it's like will i be hopefully closing on a house around then will i be moving around then like there's there's a lot of other stuff kind of up in the air 
so just making sure one, I still can go to celebration and then wondering what's going to happen at that time. Yeah. I'm, I'm still struggling on if I can go or not. It's not really about finances. It's more about guilt because I'm going to a, a bro trip essentially uh, in August to Hawaii and I'm doing like a Spartan race uh, fully. Like I've already got the, the flight booked and everything. And I, I don't know what's going on with, with the clashing crew and stuff like that. Like I'd be going by myself because my wife, Sarah is really not interested in going to that. And I really can't blame her because like by the end of the cons, I'm barely interested in being there because it's just, it cons are a lot. It's a lot. It's, and, and this is not like other cons too, where it's like, there's something for everyone. Like, you gotta really want it. That's why I would I would never even want Tyler there, my boyfriend, because it's like one he's not gonna fully enjoy it. Two, then I'm kind of like doting on him, trying to make sure he has a good time. When like I just want to be with my Star Wars peeps. I just want Star Wars twenty four seven for a week. When the hell are we gonna be all in the same room, the same area again? It's gonna be, you know, a long time. At this point, we're pushing on three years since we all met up and. I mean, like, it's a lot of time has passed and, you know, it kind of gets the, uh, the how I met your mother vibes when it comes to like, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the moment when you can get there and try and make it happen because you never know when life changes and things become more complicated opportunities. So I'm still trying to get over there. Uh, but mostly I'm trying to get over there just to see, uh, Drew upset with his expectations of what a con actually is because in his text, uh, in our group text, he's like, so when are we going to find out about uh, all the panels and stuff? And I'm like, girl, you going to wait. Like, if they're, they're going to give you that set list like two days before you get there, homie. Just yeah. sit back and be along for the ride. Any con, but like especially Star Wars, is not for a type A person. Because you have to be able to, like, quickly adjust to those changes and being ready to just, like, not plan until the, <laughs> the day before. But more so, too, like, unless, again, I've always been so lucky to go as a VIP. Anything else, though, like, you got to be ready to sit and wait around for a few hours at a time. But mostly, you have to be ready for disappointment and then adjusting from that disappointment <laughs> and moving the fuck on. <laughs> Uh, yeah again unless you have which i'm lucky enough to do and assuming i can still make it out this year i still get to go as this year that precious vip ticket where i get to just walk in and i sit in the first two rows for every single panel and i don't have to wake up early i don't have to wait in line it's glorious yeah that sounds relaxing when i when i was at star wars celebration with sam i think i gave the kid almost a heart attack because I would just will my way into things. I, I would just like, because I had because, and I'm not bragging, but because I had done like warp tour and stuff like that, I understand that while these places can seem very scary, they're put up relatively quick. So I like willed myself like two hours in to the main stage, like before anybody got through, got front row, the Rise of Skywalker trailer on the on the floor, not the actual panel because we didn't get in. I mean, like I would get us in places we needed to be whenever we needed to get there because nobody knows what the hell is going on. Like you think the people that are doing the panels, they don't know what's going on. The employees really don't know what's going on. Mm hmm. 
So it's yeah, it's, and and I say that with love. It's not to it's not to say that the employees are incompetent or just no, don't care by any all. means. It's just it's such a big operation. It's you know seventy five thousand people in a few days with so many moving parts. Like there's no way to communicate to the team of employees exactly what is going on at any given time. Yeah, and I'm I'm a planner. And I've learned by now that when it comes to cons, just throw it out the window, sit back, relax, and maybe you might end up at a random, you know, Star Wars podcasting group, which is why I'm here today with with you uh, talking about it. So with that being said, I think there's plenty of Star Wars stuff to get into. Um, If you'd like to get into that, maybe. Let's get into it. Yeah. All right. So a little bit of bit of star wars absolutely so for those of us or for those of you listening we are out of the book of boba fett phase which means we don't have weekly star wars content to to dive into as far as episodes we will continue uh with that same layout when obi-wan comes in when there's movies stuff like that so now we're gonna like kind of change gears and do what i think Sith talk does the best is find subjects whether it's deep conversations uh movie news show news stuff like that and just kind of see where it's going so i got a list of things or i got two off the top with one that might lead into a certain topic that me and Lindsay have kind of discussed and you just be along for the ride if you're listening so with those two topics we talked about Last time we were talking about the Acolyte and Bane and we had people messaging in our Facebook group about our episode and I I really appreciate everybody who was kind of contributing to that episode. It's very nice to get inputs, but they were kind of battling with me about the actual timelines and how that wouldn't work and and what was said and certain things and it kind of got me thinking well, how the hell am I supposed to know? Because there really isn't a good layout for timelines. Well, it's funny that I was thinking that because it has just been announced as of February 18th that Star Wars is making a visual guide for the entire canon history announced. It is Star Wars Timelines, the visual guide. Any thoughts on that? Because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Lindsay, I think this is going to be actually very helpful because i have a lot of knowledge in my brain uh when it comes to star wars but like the the late the legends and the canon and the new canon the old canon what was got retconned it's it's getting so confusing i'm excited but apprehensive about this i like anything where like this it really is a good kind of check for yourself right it's it's when i have a question here's the quickest point of reference and it's legitimate it's official it's gonna have some good information and i find that often with reference books like this we do get some some kind of snippets of information that we wouldn't have before i mean i think the best possible example is our conversation on the last episode that led to this discourse where it was just a little tiny bit in the visual dictionary for Rise of Skywalker about, you know, the the rule of two and how it could have been misinterpreted. Like, that came from a reference book, and it's interesting. And with all of the, not so much even changes, but with the addition of the High Republic and Phase 1 being 
this time period, but then phase two going all the way back. And what's, what's measured before Phantom Menace versus before the Battle of Yavin? Like, it gets really confusing, so I'm excited to have this. Only reason why I'm a little bit skeptical is, as someone who goes out and spends their own money on every single reference book that comes out, thinking it's going to be the be-all, end-all, I find that very often I'm just spending twice as much money three, four, five years later on the same exact book, but updated. So while I am excited about it, it's kind of just like, oh, is this just going to be another money grab where a new one's, uh, you know, second edition is going to come out in a few years and I find myself spending the same money just for three new pages. Yeah, and I, I'm fascinated to have all, because this is something that I, when they call me the Lord of Lore, it, it is it is timelines, it is eras, it is pockets, like, it, it's wars. Uh, that's really kind of what I love. Like, back in the day when it came to the New Jedi Order series, like, knowing the, the, the timeline of that, knowing that Night's Hill Republic was thousands of years old and Nagashado was even... Th- you know, even another thousand years before Revan and like deep diving into these eras is so much fun. And I think that we're going to get something like that, but I think this book will be very helpful for me because I can actually lay it on my lap. And when me and you are discussing things, I can be like, all right, hold on. While you're talking, I could be looking through it and, and double checking things. My question is, is it going to offer anything to things that are hinted on? You know, like, we've been hinted at the actual Sith Wars. Like, in, in the High Republic, they mentioned the Sith the Sith Wars. They, you know, what's the, what's the time stamp on Malachor? That's still huge in my head. When did that battle hit? Like, are they going to answer any of those things? Because I feel like... Going off our conversation, it was very easy for us to miss an actual thing that Yoda said about Bane, you know, thousands of, you know, a thousand years ago or whatever. It's because they really haven't, the Sith are so prominent in Star Wars, but anything outside of the Sith in Star Wars is very loose and they've been loose for a long time. And I don't know if that's going to be served through movies, books, but it's like, it's very vague and it's very hard to, it feels like a lot of things are just getting thrown out there. Even when it comes to Dave Filoni, and I think Dave Filoni has a thought for all of it or a story behind it or a vision in his head, but it's like, we still don't know when Malachor happened. This is, this is going to help us kind of flush out his vision a little bit more and be able to say concretely this is what he has in mind for X time period. And then even theorize a little bit to say, you know what, this is, this is what was going on. This is the exact time frame. Most importantly, this is where Disney slash Lucasfilm is putting their emphasis. They think it's important to tell us this is the time frame for X, Y, Z. Maybe this is where they invest in future projects. And that's what I'm hoping it does. I'm hoping it at least answers some of these vague questions because while it's great to have like big things remembered like when Jen Urso went you know and started her campaign to go find the plans like that's interesting but I want them to answer some questions that they haven't possibly answered 
Yeah, and I don't think I mean I don't I don't think they're going to necessarily answer every single question that we have because no. keeping things open really keeps people interested. Best possible scenario or best possible example is what's the oldest species? You know, the fact that George Lucas straight up would say he has answers for every single question in Star Wars, but that's the one thing he's holding on to. Yeah, of course, that's what people are interested in and going to ask about. So keeping a little bit of mystery open there, I think, is a smart business decision on their end and storytelling decision. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they continue to kind of keep from us and what actually comes out as a concrete yes or no in the timelines. And and I, I totally agree on that one. I just... I wish, I just hope when it comes specifically the Sith and and the Mandalorians, what, if we can get something, just some, some something stamped, it doesn't have to be all the things that I've mentioned, but one of the things, some kind of big reveal of a, you know, because you're putting your flag down. When you do a timeline, you're putting some form of flag like, hey, this existed here. Let your brain wonder what this world looks like, but it exists here. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking when it comes to specifically the Sith, because it kind of branches off on our last conversation. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to have this released. You and I are going to be able to revisit that conversation and, and maybe revamp some thoughts. I'm just skeptical about how much of this is going to be here's exactly where we're going. Here's what's important verse. Thanks right. for your $60. Move on. We'll see you in a few years. Hey, I mean, it's, it's not like they don't do that at the star Wars galaxy's edge with the blue and green <laughs> milk. I mean, yikes. Fair. fair. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I think that, I think you, you have a very, you have fair points. I have little touches that I, you know, have added to that. And that's just my thing. I'm very excited for this. I probably, I'm actually going to be buying this book. I don't normally buy the visual guides, but I will be buying this book because I am such a timeline snob. But there is more stuff going on, which is very interesting for some of you who don't only venture in a galaxy far, far away. There was a really tiny indie film out called Spider-Man No Way Home. It's super small. Not a lot of people heard about it. <laughs> nice. um, didn't break any records. It, you know, just run in the mill. Very good film, but nobody heard about it. There is rumors. I'm just kidding. That Obviously, it's a joke. Um, but director John Watts might direct a Star Wars series. Um, we've been hearing the folks at StarWarsNewsNet.com, which I always go to because they really weed out the wild rumors versus stuff that has actual solid um, tracking on those. And when there's rumors, they say rumor. If it's news, it's news. So I, I'm following them. The folks at the said that discussing film have heard from their sources that Marvel Marvel Studios veteran John Watts the director behind the three live action Spider-Man films might be involved in some capacity with a show potentially helming at least one episode of yet to be announced 
uh, TV series. Furthermore, they claim that John Favreau is also executive producing this series. That raises some questions that we'll briefly discuss below. No, we won't, but that is the article. And this adds on to multiple articles that have come out lately that there's some surprise Star Wars TV series that's being aired. But how would you feel about John Watts directing um, a mystery Star Wars series? I mean, overall, pretty positive. Just number number one, the biggest takeaway here is John Favreau is still involved. To me, it seems he is the new Pablo Hidalgo of Star Wars. Like when you put when you used to say like, "Oh, Pablo, this Pablo, that," everyone took that as like the be all end all, and we're in good hands. Now it's like you hear John Favreau, and that's the uh, like the kind of calming Xanax-ness of, of Star Wars. Um, but for me, the, the biggest takeaway is not just here's a guy who knows how to take something someone else created and other people love and so many other people have tried to do and perfect and put his own stamp on it because it's it's very hard to say for Star uh, Spider-Man what's John Watts and what's the Tom Holland of it all or what's the Kevin Feige of it all. But in looking at his other kind of credits and what he's done for me, the biggest point here is this is a guy who knows how to tell a good story and always balance it out with a little bit of humor. So I think that that's something that can be severely lacking in a lot of new Star Wars entities, for better or worse. But I think that the the great thing about the original trilogy is you have Star Wars and you have this kind of space western, but you also have Harrison Ford kind of just throwing in some some bullshit lines just to make you laugh. Like I think that's something John Watts does really, really well. That we all expect Taika Waititi to continue doing but god only knows where we are there and what the hell he's been up to with with everything um so so i'm just kind of excited to have that little balance back in star wars but again to play devil's advocate it's like how many how many directors names do i need to hear and be excited about only for nothing to ever happen (laughs) with them yeah, I feel like I get in trouble just by agreeing with you, so I'm just gonna make a no comment on that one. Um, when it comes when it comes to John Watts, um, I will say what he has very much excelled in as using characters who would seem like they are that through the announcements like you hear oh robert downey jr is going to be in the next spider-man movie or hey rumor mill andrew and toby mcguire in the next spider-man movie he's very good at using things that could very easily be a cheap cameo or a cheap here you go and creating real purpose behind the story and that does add to your you know devil's advocate who's running it is it kevin feige john watts who who is the real mastermind but at the end of the day he is the director of no way home kevin feige didn't direct those movies he had to direct no way home 
he's the one who had a huge hand in a, in a lot of that stuff. And I think while that can go to Kevin Feige's skill um, as a producer, it also goes to him using fan service in a positive way that feels like it shouldn't belong, but it does so well. Like when you think Toby and Andrew are going to be in the same movie as Tom Holland's Spider-Man, everybody was saying, oh, they're going to be in there for like a second because he's going to go to the multiverse. You're just going to briefly see him. They were characters in that movie and they were used phenomenally. And I would say that like, as far as Andrew Garfield his I character think he was goes, better in this than he was in his own movies. Exactly. Things, but yeah, I, I I'll, totally I'll, agree. You know what? One hundred. You're you're one hundred percent correct, and and kind of mind changing a little bit. Um, just because, yeah, I think I think he understands certain characters in different ways. I don't mean to be overly skeptical. It's kind of just like I've been burnt before. And I don't think I don't you know are. how many more. <laughs> well, of course you don't, because you're also overly skeptical. <laughs> yeah, that's but I true. Think, I think I'll wear that. You're you're correct in the sense he understands there's a very fine line between what is fan service and what is related to the story. And I think the fact that he was able to, even with No Way Home, integrate certain other little cameos in terms of the the daredevilness of it all. And was that his idea? No. Was that someone saying, hey, we're going to do more with Daredevil. You got to bring him in. You got to set him up. Sure. But the fact that he's able to balance out certain things and it's not like he sits there and and says, to your point, you know, I heard a rumor that Daredevil is going to be in Spider-Man and like distract us with that. No, he kind of like you said, he uses the press accordingly. He uses the hype of certain things accordingly and just builds on that. But he doesn't necessarily misdirect to the point where we're sitting here and we're like, huh, well, you can't trust anything John Watts says because X, Y, Z. Like he doesn't mislead by any means. He just gets a little bit of hype and buzz out there and builds on it. Exactly. And I think what I, I guess not what I really need with Star Wars is I, I just need, I, I feel like, and, and The Rise of Skywalker is a completely different conversation. Uh, the sequels are a completely different conversation. I I just, I if I'm going to get something that is technically fan service, meaning I am being served something I've always wanted to see, which would be considered, you know, like Han, Luke, and Leia, seeing them all three together, that is fan service at its highest for a Star Wars fan. Or seeing Revan's face in the background of a Bad Batch episode or something. That's that's fan service. But what I think he does he did really well in that movie was he created characters off of crazy ideas. So if if you can do that, if you can take Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, make this um, comic book level and not really in the best way. Like if you explain what Homecoming's gonna or No Way Home is gonna be to someone, they're gonna be like, "Oh, that seems very comic booky," but he sells it, and so I'm I, I would be very excited to see what he does in the Star Wars universe because he has shown that he can take ridiculous ideas and still create so much emotion behind them and i don't even know what he's gonna do but i i think there's there's kind of room for these marvel guys to like kind of slide in on uh star wars um 
So come on in, because you guys are killing it. I mean, like, No Way Home. <laughs> no Way Home is saving movie theaters right now. Mm-hmm. So Not only that, I, I think that the Marvel TV shows are justifying streaming services and additional streaming services, as opposed to just the 20 bucks for Hulu, 10 bucks for... Or, I'm sorry, 20 bucks for Netflix, 10 bucks for Hulu, or whatever it is. But to say, like, hey, look, yeah, you have to shell out a little bit more for Disney Plus, but you get some quality content. Like, the Marvel TV shows are usually pretty great. And I say usually because the ones I like, I absolutely love. And the ones I'm not totally hot on, I understand it's just a matter of opinion. And I get why other people are totally hot on them. Yeah, I I, I think that. Disney Plus being Star Wars and Marvel has created events to my week. I, am I sad? And I, I think it is a little bit of a, you know, I don't, I don't really know their analytics, what's edited, what's fully finished. I am kind of sad that we kicked off this year with, with Hawkeye and then Book of Boba Fett. I kind of wish we could at least have a show, one show going constantly right now. It's a bummer that Moon Knight is so is like another month away. Yeah. I, I, I can't Dude, wait. That's till... going to be well worth the wait. Right. I can't wait till we get back to back to back. Um, but yeah. the quality is there and it, it's showing really well. And I, I think like after you've done something like Marvel, why not move into Star Wars? I think, and there's nothing to go off on any of this, but I'm hearing a lot of rumors about a mystery show, a mystery unannounced Star Wars series. And there's so wait, light... wait, wait. But when when you say a mystery show, unannounced show, do you mean like this is a murder mystery whodunit show? No, or I mean like not it's like announced. a hey, this is the mystery dum dum flavor. Figure out what it is. It's it's no, not it's like but, yeah. nobody knows uh-huh. what's going on. This is there's there's rumors going around now. In the context of this article, it uh, when it comes to John Watts, it says that you know. There are rumors about a mystery unannounced Star Wars series, but he could be rumored to do any one of these shows. He could direct an episode of The Mandalorian or, you know, Ahsoka or whatever. Like, it's not placed on he is directing a mystery Star Wars series. They're saying he could be directing a mystery Star Wars series. There's also possible that this rumor could lead to Mandalorian and all the other shows. But... There are more whispers about a mystery Star Wars series, and there's nothing to go off of. Um, so I didn't put it in our show notes because there's really not anything going on. But I, I want to say here that there is, you know, with John Watts being uh, kind of attached to a mystery series with no 100% proof. But then there's also casting announcements for a mystery series going on. And this could be very much like you're saying when it comes to celebration, like they're holding off on news to save for celebration and people are leaking stuff out. But there, there is some casting going on about a mystery series. I'm going to stop saying mystery, but that's kind of what's going on right now. And I think while there's nothing for us to talk about Put it in your notes, those listening, because we could probably re-venture this later, and at the very least, I could say, I told you so. Just like that? Yes, I'll exactly. sing it to you and everything. Yes. Yeah. But no, because if you think about like the best Star Wars celebration announcements, like they brought out the cast of Mandalorian 
And we didn't know what the Mandalorian was going to be. That was the big hype. Even video games, like when we talk about Fallen Order, they brought out, um, oh my God, now I, I only really know him as Cal Kestis, and I'm blanking on his actual name, but the kid who wasn't shameless, Cameron, Cameron McDonough. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. They brought him out, and it was like, oh my God, no one had any idea this was really going on. Like, the best announcements are those quote-unquote mystery ones. So when they talk about a mystery show, I don't think it's going to be like we wake up one morning and Disney Plus drop this entire series on us and we have no idea. I think when they talk about mystery show, it's they're getting ready to make the announcement, but when they make the announcement, they want to do it in full hype. Right, and just so you guys can get it here, because Sith Talk is the show where we speculate unresponsibly. Um... So right, the the casting right now is these are all like fake names, but it's like uh, the casting is like Wyatt, male, eleven years old, of any ethnicity, series, regular. Wyatt yearns for great adventures, but his attention is easily diverted. He wishes to be the hero in any situation. Uh, Ned, eleven years old, which Ned could be kind of a comp- you know if you're attaching him to John Watts, you know I don't know that could be a little sneaky. He's got Ned and Ned. Um, Anyway, um, Ned is 11 years old, is described as Wyatt's bashful best friend. That See, that seems a little coincidental, but I'm just going to leave that. Just Ned being in Spider-Man, Ned being in this. Yikes. Um, Faye, non-binary, 12 years old of any ethnicity, is described as rebellious and extroverted. Uh, Kylie, uh, 12 years old, any ethnicity, is Faye's best friend. Male, 30 to 50 years old of any ethnicity, series regular, no other details. The project is code name Grammar Rodeo. While that code name might look like word salad for the average fans, fans of The Simpsons have associated the phrase in the joke episode Bart on the Road, which involved the title character and series kids in his classroom going on unauthorized road trips. With that in mind, the story may involve a group of kids going on similar, reckless, unsupervised adventures together. Production is said to start in June and end in December, suggesting a 2023 release. It has been speculated that Lucasfilm has wanted to greenlight a more kid-friendly series for a while, and the details here match up with previous reports from Cinelex and Bespin Bulletin. The project is going for Stranger Things in Space. Mm, I'm feeling already more of like a magic school bus vibe. I am it's so down fine. for that. <laughs> I'm down for that. That's rad. Yeah. But let's let's not not hype up like the way that we we think about the acolyte to this no. mystery project. I th- no. I think if they're saying like more kid friendly, it's, you know, 11 years old and little best friends like um, uh, and, and the whole Simpsons comparison, I'm getting more magic school bus esque vibes. Absolutely. But I just wanted to point it out because, but you know, that can mean a lot of things. And John Watts has, you know, been doing, you know, high school stuff. So I mean, yeah. it's just something yeah. to keep noted. It's fun. It's fun to think about. You heard it here. If we're wrong, that's on you. If we're right, that's on us. So. There you go. Uh, so anyway, and then in the next bit of news, which uh, Lindsay has stated before we started recording, is the kind of the topic of choice. Ian McDermott 
indicates Palpatine could return in stories set before the rise of Skywalker. While speaking to Metro, McDermott noted that Palpatine is indeed dead for good in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, and that he didn't have any backup clones, hence his initial bloated, rotting appearance while hooked up to a crane that that doubled as life support. Uh, or any additional secret contingency plans. However, he indicated that appearing in any story set before the end of the movie is something he's open to doing, although he would not confirm his involvement in any future projects. He says, quote, I think I have to accept that, thanks to my ungrateful granddaughter, Ray Skywalker. <laughs> my <laughs> annihilation was final, but, of course, Darth Vader is back in the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series, so I suppose it's not impossible that one day his mentor might be discovered once again, skulking in the shadows. This interview, of course, comes ahead of the release of the Disney Plus Obi-Wan series. Lindsay, what are your thoughts? I mean, number one, I think the the biggest thing I just want to point out just in a total, like, fangirl, oh my god, I love him way, Ian McDermott is... I think the closest thing to Anthony Daniels that we have just in terms of like, I'm not going to shy away from this character. Like I'm not going to be angry that most people know me as this one thing, as this one character, and then take it a step further to kind of stay in character for as much as possible. Like, I think that's why fans myself included love Anthony Daniels so much. Cause it's just like he, Anthony embraces like, yeah, I'm C3PO. This gave me my career. This gave me a lifetime of great memories. This gave me my money. And I'm going to I'm gonna feed into fans who want me to do certain things and, and treat them in a certain way. The fact that Ian McDermott's sitting here calling his, calling, you know, instead of just saying, oh, Ray, or, or that Jedi in the movie whose name I forget, is just like, yeah, my granddaughter. Like, he plays into that, and I love that for him. So, so before we get too distracted, major shout out for him and the way he kind of respects fans and our fandom in that way. But for me, this is, this is the big takeaway. And and the point that I really want to make and, and get into and pick your brain on it's what stories do we still need to tell? Like when, when we sit here and as fans, we look at the directors they're bringing on and the casting they're doing and the stories they're telling. And we sit here and we're like, okay, we want to find out what Luke did between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. And some people will say, that's the biggest story you have to tell. Other people will say, I need to know what Rey is doing and how is Rey carrying on this Jedi legacy. Other people, I think like yourself, would sit there and say, I need more High Republic. I need, like, this is the story I have to tell. Me personally, this kind of falls more into, I think, my camp a little bit, which is I want to find out what the fuck was happening right before (laughs) Phantom Menace. Like, how do we get here? This seems like a big jump to go from the High Republic to the fucking Empire. Like, that's, to me, the story I want to tell. So if Ian Ian McDermott is sitting here saying, like, yeah... I'm open to being in more Star Wars stories. And that's all this is. It's not saying anything's in development. It's not saying that this is where it's going. It's just saying we have this character who you could really put anywhere. If you think about it, you can have him in Kenobi. 
you can have him in you know what what ray is doing even if it's just in flashbacks like yeah he's dead but he can still be in flashbacks he can still be in visions like you can do anything with this one character and it would make sense so if you're gonna have that kind of character like what story still has to be told and what are we really missing in star wars and that's my biggest like aha moment from reading this article is figuring out look if they're gonna invest in a new movie where are they best off putting us well i have a lot of questions about or i have a lot of ideas where i think we should be going as far as movies but when it comes to ian mcdarmid i think that i think that from here on out everything i have questions about Palpatine is a little before is a little outstated in McDarmid's welcome when it comes to like pre Phantom Menace. I mean, obviously you can age him. We've seen that Luke Skywalker, um, that Luke Skywalker scene in the Book of Boba Fett. However, that is very expensive to do, and they were very smart on how to use Luke in those scenes for them to look good. I don't know if you could do a full-on show or a full-on movie or what you would do with that when it comes to like de-aging him. I think a lot of people talk about you know, getting a different actor to play a younger Palpatine, which is really all my questions about Palpatine. Like When it comes to Palpatine, I would love to see him training, much like Plagueis. I mean, that Plagueis novel to this day, it seems like for those of you who have listened to me uh, for years at this point, I am kind of a blunt hammer when it comes to the Plagueis novel, but I, I can't help it. It is, it is, it is like the most essential thing when it comes to seeing the growth of Palpatine, canon or not canon, it, it still stands on its own feet. And I would love to see, while I don't ever try and compare source material, like people are right now with Dr. Strange, everybody's like, oh, it's going to take with this comic or it's going to do Wanda's going to be like, it's going to go full um, Secret Wars or it's going to go full House of M. I, I look at the source material as a theme to go off of, not holding them to their word, which is why our past conversations about the Old Republic, about Revan, about all that kind of stuff, like, I don't really care if they do the game. And in fact, when it comes to the PS4 remake, I hope they change some things, because I would like to have a new game to play. Um, but when it comes to Palpatine, I think a lot of his story is in his younger years. However, it is very exciting to know that Ian McDiarmid is willing to come back for those little sprinkles of Palpatine. I don't think we're going to be getting much major information in his, uh, you know, Empire to Rise of Skywalker years when it comes to live action. But it's great that he wants to join in and be used as a seasoning and i you know who knows when it comes to obi-wan i i i don't want to start just jumping on the hype train vader is enough inquisitors are enough but palpatine could be useful in keeping his apprentice in check and i think it's great that that option is open yeah i i think seasoning is kind of an interesting word to use for him um, because to me, that's almost all he's ever been. And I think that as an actor, of course, he's talented enough. As fans, 
I don't think I ever realized just how hooked on him we all were until, and, and I hate to always bring things back to celebration, but just because it is such a relevant thing right now, being in that auditorium when they released the Rise of Skywalker trailer for the first time and hearing his laugh and hearing the way people went absolutely nuts, you know, that was what, 3,000 people in that arena just going absolutely bonkers when all he did was giggle. Like it, it was just his laugh in the trailer and people went crazy. And then they brought him back on stage after that second time and he was on stage and just the, the fan reaction he got, I don't think anyone fully understood just how much of a, it's weird to say this word for Palpatine, but a loved character he is. Like you could do a lot with him. And for as much as we talk about Lando and what was Lando doing? What what was Lando's story? What is he up to? Does he have a daughter? Like what what was going on there? I feel like that's kind of the obvious choice. And there's so many obvious fan servicey choices that you could pick when you talk about Star Wars stories that have to be told. For example, Luke. You know, we we said it how many weeks ago when they brought Luke on to Boba Fett. What was he doing? How was he rebuilding his temple? What does that look like? What was he going around recruiting? Like, there's there's the obvious stories that we say, oh, this is going to be a good story, but is it actually a good story? Is it? You know, maybe maybe Luke rebuilding the Jedi Temple is as boring as it comes. Maybe he really was just wandering around the galaxy, picking up some strays who are force sensitive and and starting a temple. And that's it. That's the story. There's no big thing there. Maybe the big thing is a place we've, we've already been, but didn't realize it. Maybe the big thing is the start of the Sith empire or what they were doing. Like, I, I just think that the stories we talk about that we want are not actually the stories we need. Yeah, I and, and I do agree with you when it comes to Palpatine as being, has always been more of a sprinkled in seasoning type of character. With regards to the prequels, though, he was pretty, pretty major, and I, I think that using him sparingly is a very good idea. Um, no, he was not major. The decoy he was presenting was major. Senator Palpatine, Darth Sidious... Uh, and maybe that's where we need to rephrase this. Palpatine has always been present. Sidious has not. I want to know more about Sidious. So what? So what would you love to see? I mean, like, what? What would be your? Aside from going younger years, are you like want to go like full on dark side evil, seeing his full plan in motion as like a dark side series or? I do. Yeah. I I think that to get to the level he was on, this is something where, you know, in, in Plagueis, even in sometimes in Bane and, and, and all the legend stuff that we have, it's a genre, which don't get me wrong. I like, I like that political espionage. I like that kind of mind fuckery of it all. I do though, kind of want to see Sidious just being savage. Like I want to see, him sacrificing people and killing people who just stand in his way just for the fuck of it. You know, I, I want to see that. I want that house of cards moment where for, for those of you who are not familiar with this 
uh, TV series House of Cards. I do mean the English version, the uh, Kevin Spacey one. Season one, he becomes so close to this journalist. And yes, it is this, you know, adult sexual and meets political espionage thriller of a show. And then I forget if it's the end of season one. It might be the the very first. I think it is the first episode of season two. Um, He kills her. He just pushes her in front of a subway car because she no longer serves him. Attaboy. That's the kind of thing I want to see Sidious do. Where, yes, I am interested in that backhanded, you know, get the banks in your pocket, get the politics in your pocket. That I know we have to get to to see how the Sith got to where they are. But I still want to see him being ruthless. I want to see why he is so feared at the end of it and and for i mean when you look dude when you think about it all we really have to go on is his word like we are afraid of emperor palpatine because he seems scary and other people are afraid of him i want to see how he got that fear and how he got that power i mean i'm I totally agree with you. When when my brain goes to to add to it, it's almost like the uh, the Mads Mikkelsen Hamil, Hannibal series, like the prequel, and and stuff like that. Like I want to see Palpatine's first kill. That's what I want to see. I want to see him, you know, fully growing in. I think yeah, there's a lot of rich yeah. storytelling in that, and even in the sense that you don't have to give up all the goods because Palpatine. Palpatine has a lot of goods when it comes to how he got powerful, what exactly happened to lead him there, what leads him one step ahead. I think there's still enough room to to add to your point about like Yoda, baby Yoda, where where his species comes from. George Lucas knows where that's at but has never talked about it. The hinted thing about baby Yoda would be that we would maybe go see his planet or know where his home planet is i don't think that's going to happen anymore like i once did you know when they mentioned his people at first i thought it was his species uh but that very closely meant the jedi i don't know if we're going to be getting that secret and i don't want that secret because i do like that secret as a joker i want there to still be some illusory to palpatine's power but i mean I think it'd be really interesting still to this day. I'm fascinated with Palpatine learning and being a student under the Sith. And even post, like, not saying you're going to take over Darth Plagueis' novel and 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 rip it verbatim. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, but, you know, who, who says that the, the show is a, you know, a type of show where you watch him train all the way up until he kills his master? And then there's still a lot of room to grow in between because you don't have to go off the Darth Plagueis where he has, they both are training Maul and Maul is a background, you know, character, but like they're still master and apprentice and he kills him right after the Phantom Menace takes place. That does not have to happen anymore. So you could still have a, and, and even then he, it's not like he kills master and then goes from this master Palpatine to, um, Exegol. There's so much mystery even left, even if you show the first beginnings of it all. 
I think it'd be pretty beautiful. It, it, it would be very hard to watch at times because it would be dense, but I mean, it, it would be like the breaking bad of star Wars. Mm. Yeah. And, and that might not be what we want. We might be, cause we love Luke want more stories about Luke because we love Ezra we might want to see a story about, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine going to find him. Would those be bad stories? Absolutely not. If those are the stories they want to tell, do I think they'll do a good job of it? Yeah, 90% sure they will. But I, I think that the stories that would be the most interesting and the most compelling are stories that we're not necessarily talking about. And in this case, yeah, I think, I think, Ian McDermott coming back as Palpatine is the perfect example of things we might not think we want, but we need, and we're better off having those over the things that we do want. Uh, no, we need, we need Palpatine. And I think that's what makes Star Wars so great is there's so many different pockets of fans. Uh, you know, Sam was very much a starfighter guy and he loved the Jedi a lot, but he was very much a starfighter guy. I'm very much a Jedi guy. Um, I'm 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 into the mysticism of the Force, um, the master and apprentice, uh, master and apprentice dichotomy, uh, the wars of the galaxy that we. That's very much my speed, and I can appreciate everything else as equally. I I still think Solo is a great film. Do I need a sequel? Absolutely not. I am totally fine. I don't need to know anything more about those characters. Is it nice? That Kira is going to be in these comics? Absolutely. Am I happy to see what's going on? Yes. But that's not what I'm dying for. I'm dying to get to the to those questions that you're asking. When it comes to future Star Wars, uh, you know, and movies and stuff like that, if I can't have my little Palpatine series or stuff like that, I think that's why the Acolyte is so fascinating because it is something that that I asked for inside, but nobody ever championed and put a flag down like saying, like we did with Obi-Wan. Everybody was championing an Obi-Wan movie or series. And nobody. dude, let's be real. The, the only reason that people were saying like we need Obi-Wan is let's give John Jackson Miller the credit he deserves. That was a phenomenal book. And if you think about it before that book was made, if yep. they said... We need a story about Obi-Wan living on Tatooine. It would be like, doing fucking what? Like, seems pretty boring to me. But he made that book so compelling. But I don't think before that, anyone anyone was sitting there being like, huh, I have to know what Obi-Wan was up to all these years. It was him taking a story people did not know they wanted and saying, I'm going to give you something so tense and so compelling, you're going to be hooked. And now that it's Legends, we're like, hey, <laughs> we need this back. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's a weird give and take because I, I, yeah, that is why Obi-Wan, like these little pockets of creativity are what is keeping Star Wars alive for me. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying this is really a bad thing because you can pick whatever mediums you want, but I want more things like Obi-Wan, like a Acolyte. Or, you know, even Andor is quite refreshing. I'm not overly excited for it yet. Um, but it's exciting because, to me, when I see a random series announcement like Andor, it's like nobody was asking for an Andor show. But wait, nobody was asking for an Andor 
series, which means somebody was thinking about it and said, oh, I have a really good original script. And it was so good that they greenlit it because it was good. Not because fans were demanding it, but because somebody had a really good script for Andor. And that seems interesting because we're not asking for it. The Acolyte, like I said, deep down, a lot of fans it fits in with the Old Republic kids. The Old Republic kids saw the, Af- the Acolyte and were like, fuck yeah, that's what we're asking for. We don't even know what the hell this show's about, but it hints at the dark side. It has a lightsaber in the thing. It talks about dark mysteries. So... I like where this direction is going when it comes to Star Wars, and I I hope that whether they get Ian McDiarmid in as you know more flavor or a younger Palpatine show, I don't really care where they go with it on those lines. I just want to see new because in reality, Luke Skywalker has kind of gotten to the point between the comics, the books, and the movies where every day in the life of Luke Skywalker is a wild day. Like I yeah. mean, like we know why his shirt why he wore that shirt in empire the comics explain why his shoes were shined i mean at this point luke skywalker is at every day han solo leia lando and and every day is accounted for too exactly it's getting to that point and i think when it comes to palpatine am i still interested in a younger palpatine series absolutely should tom hiddleston do it 100 percent. that's probably never going to happen but that's i'd be down for it uh but there's enough seasoning to where you can still do that kind of show and leave a shroud of mystery. And on top of that, when it comes to Star Wars, it's just originality and moving on from the... If you're going to do something like Obi-Wan or Palpatine, it has to be compelling. It has to be beautiful. It it, it has to be creative. When it comes to future Star Wars movies, new characters, stuff like that, I'm, I go like completely unrelated from the timeline. I want like you know, 400 or 300 years before in the high Republic or 400 years after, like I'm kind of ready to just, if we're not, if we don't have an original thing to offer these characters, move on and go completely off the grid. I mean, I will, I will also just point out this when you think about everything you just said too, you are so right. Like I I can't argue a single thing you said, but what do all of those projects we're excited about really have in common? dedicated actors that embraced that role. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Cassian Andor, anything Palpatine related. Like these are, these are characters who are just like, yeah, I am this character. I'm sorry. These are actors who are just like, I am this character. I'm cool being this character. I had fun with it. I'm going to keep having fun with it. Hope you like it. Right. Because there was, you know, not everybody's going to be Harrison Ford and be the breakout star and and be s- bigger than Star Wars. I mean, Harrison Ford was so huge. The fact that we ever got him back in Star Wars. I mean, when you look at that man's career, it is completely Yeah, unique. I think he's and the it really... one who's who's like I'm not just this one character. It's he he's someone who went off and made a career when you you think Harrison Ford Maybe you think Star Wars, maybe you don't. I don't think you can really say that about anyone else. Well, and 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 when I compare Harrison Ford, I I usually say he's the Elvis Presley of franchise movies. I mean, he's the first global actor to be a part of to be a part of a franchise that was so massive and then end up outshining it. 
So, like, if you want to argue, like, oh, yeah, John Wayne, he was so big. Yes, John Wayne was big with the Cowboys, with the Cowboy movies. But I'm saying Harrison Ford was a side character in a massive franchise that broke out and eventually had huge stardom. And he outgrew that. But what's really nice about these actors, like an Ian McDiarmid, like a Ewan McGregor, who is still a a B-list, he's been a B-list celebrity, which is not a knock, He's been very relevant for a long time. He's a lot bigger of an actor than people give him credit for, and his filmography is huge. He is still showing up, and there's something to be said about these guys who know that their bread and butter is these movies. And if they if they if they stick to these roles, it not only is better for their pockets, but it's better for their careers because they're going to get more offers because it shines more light. Is Ian McDiarmid in the in the stage of his life where he wants to have another breakout role? Probably not. But when you get that age, you probably think about legacy, and he wants to add to it. And you know that Star Wars money doesn't hurt the next lineage of uh, McDiarmids down the line. It's just smart. It's reversed from Harrison Ford, my point is. It's reversed from Harrison Ford's thinking he's too big because he was too big. It's another way of, you know, another way of adding to your career. And and skillfully. It's not just I'm going to add this to my career because I need this or there's some money here or it's the easiest option. It's just like, he plays the character well. Let's be real. He plays it well. They all yeah. do. Yeah, he's absolutely phenomenal. And I I think we will get more Palpatine eventually. I don't think it'll be... I think we'll get more Ian McDiarmid Palpatine eventually. I think it will be no more than a couple scenes at a time. Um, Cat's not out of the bag about a you know younger Palpatine series. I think you know we got an entire lifetime of Star Wars to to think about and dream about. Um, but it's always great to hear that somebody wants to keep playing the role. Um, even though my brain goes actor wants job, you know, but it, it's, it's a give and take. <laughs> I have to outshine, you know, sometimes I really have to walk back my pessimistic view on things, but it's still nice to hear. Uh... Look, it, as far as Ian McDermott taking over the mantle and and picking this back up, I would personally be ecstatic. I think that's very clear. But I think the, the overall point here is what stories are we sitting here wanting and asking for versus what are we missing and what still has to be told. And I think that when you have Palpatine who with the technologies we have, with the makeups we have, could be told at any given point. And because of, let's be clear, his story arc, you can never really tell how old he is. There's a lot of possibilities. And that's a story I would be very, very happy if when we got to Celebration, they announced that story in any way, shape or form. Right. I mean, who knows? The Acolyte could be Palpatine's first apprentice. Who knows? Just... I'm just kidding. I don't think that's going to happen. But you never know. And when you add about the age, you you really don't know. And I, I that's a good question, too. A question for probably another episode of Sit Talk. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. 
All right, guys, that'll do it for this episode of Sith Talk. Where can you find Sith Talk? Well, it's easy, dummy. You can find us under the Clashing Sabers podcast feed, along with all of our other shows um, that we have for you guys. Um, you can also find us at the Clashing Sabers Instagram page. You can find Sith Talk at the Sith Talk page on Instagram. And you can also check us out constantly combating and talking and having fun speculating with our Facebook group that is Clashing Sabers. I am your host, Zach Chrisman, and you can find me at SitTalker25 talking all things Star Wars, barbecue, working out, comic books, um, probably going to be talking about the Batman a shitload pretty soon here. <laughs> Lindsay, where can they find you? Best option to find me is over on our Facebook group, Clashing Sabers. Um, like we said at the top of the episode, if there's something you want to uh, challenge me on or tell me I'm an idiot or maybe the ever so rare, hey, Lindsay, that was pretty smart. Um, head over to Clashing Sabers Facebook and tag me, Lindsay Gadotti. Well, we are probably right about everything we discussed here today. And <laughs> with that being said, Lindsay, may the force be with you. Always. Hey, looks like you're done talking Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're gonna venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way, I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business, go back to your drinks.